Julie Mott was one of those people that you ran into in the course of your life, and she just left a wonderful impression, one that you would never forget. Sadly, she was born with a terminal disease, and she wouldn't be on this world for long. When the day of her death finally came, her parents contacted a local funeral home and made all the arrangements. But someone stole Julie's body, and to this day, it's never been recovered. So what on earth happened to this poor girl's remains? Welcome, welcome, welcome into a bonus episode of Killing Missing Hidden. Always exciting. I am your old buddy, Brad, the host of this fine program. I'm also a former criminal defense trial attorney, so I like to think I bring a different spin to the true crime genre, at least compared to the average podcast. Uh, and even when we dig into non-true crime topics from time to time, I'm actually a certified cryptozoologist. So I know, ladies, it's incredible, but I'm married, happily married. So just breathe for a minute. Shout out to our listener, Kimberly, for this case suggestion. It was a very, very difficult case to research. So it ended up being shorter than I wanted it to be. So I'm not releasing it as a normal episode, but still kudos to Kimberly for letting me know about this case because I had never heard of it. It's a weird one. Uh, as you all know, especially if you're returning fans, I'm not really down with the uh, much pre-talk banner. But I'm also on a push to steal all your money. So if you would check out our merch shop, I would love you forever and ever and ever. It's kmhpodcast.com slash shop. Again, kmhpodcast.com slash shop. We have a rotating collection of shirts and other goodies there. We've got 12 items up right now, and when October comes, we're going to have some brand new items up there. So if you see a shirt or something that you like, please go ahead and purchase it, because I can't promise it'll be there next month. Okay, enough about me. Let's get back to Julie. Julie Mott was just a special young lady born in San Antonio, Texas. She, When she was born, she was diagnosed with cystic fibrosis. And knew that she would not be blessed with a long life. But boy, did she cram in more to her short life than most of us will put into our full lives, okay? She spent only 25 years on this earth, passing away in 2015. But again, she just did incredible things in the short amount of time. She was, I mean, not just well-liked by people. She was beloved by her friends, acquaintances, schoolmates. She was really into horses. She loved riding horses. She was a true horse girl. She also loved being outside as much as she could. And she had this particular love for cardinals, one that was so strong that to this day, her father, Timothy, will sit outside alone and inevitably will be visited by a cardinal. And he takes that as a sign that it's Julie stopping by to say hi, which is sweet. 
And it probably makes him feel better. Charlotte, her mother, has Julie's favorite jacket draped over the passenger seat of her car. And whenever she misses her little girl, she holds the sleeve and imagines she's holding her daughter's hand again. Julie's older and only brother, Jonathan, adored his sister. And honestly, he loved her so much and thought so much of her. He shied away from doing anything related to the media because he just can't get through a conversation talking about her without breaking down. In fact, what's what's both endearing and heartbreaking about Jonathan's life is he's married and has a little girl and everybody says Jonathan's daughter is just a carbon copy of Julie. So he's fortunate that he gets to see his essentially what is his sister grow up in a new body and a new life. Now, August is the toughest month for Julie's family. It's the month she was born and it's also the month she died. And it's the month her dead body was stolen from the funeral home, never to be seen again. Yeah, we're going in that direction. So Julie, again, her whole life she knew she was kind of living on borrowed time. And so her mortality did not bother her. She hadn't made plans for how she wanted to be remembered when she passed. And, you know, her last wish was, I want to be cremated. Naturally, her parents honored that she ended up passing on a Saturday. And the plan was to hold a remembrance ceremony a week later. So that way, everybody who could attend would have the opportunity to attend. Plenty of notice. Most folks have time on the weekends. It just made sense. In the interim, they were going to have her body cremated. Simple enough procedure. The funeral home they go to advertises that they do cremations on spot. So there's nothing to worry about. Take her body there, have it cremated. They got a very nice urn for it. And and then they were going to have the ceremony. Now, when the ceremony was coming up, Julie's mom called to arrange for her daughter's jewelry and clothing to be returned to her at the end of the ceremony. Obviously, they don't burn that with the body. And her mom really wanted to keep it. It was, they they had put, you know, she was wearing special things that meant a lot to her. And the parents, of course, wanted to have those so they could help remember their daughter. Well, the, you know, funeral home says, yes, of course, we'll bring that to you on Saturday. But in the background, they were losing their mind. They were in a panic because Julie's body was not where it should be. And no one had any clue where the corpse had gotten off to. Security footage and logs were poured over and they showed nothing. Nothing. The only clue that something was off was that the coffin Julie's body was displayed in for the family before the cremation had been damaged. But from what I understand, looking into it, it's not unusual to kind of use the coffins that you can't sell for cremation purposes. But regardless, 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 that's not the question here. That's not the issue. Who would steal her body and why? 
I mean, obviously, that's a million-dollar question here. That's why we have the episode. So let's try to tackle the who first and hope that that gives us the why. And we have two major theories regarding the who. Now, first, even though the funeral home advertised that they did all their cremations on site, they had the facilities and yada, 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 it turns out they actually contracted with a third party to handle all cremations. For some reason, the funeral home just did not want this information public, and they did everything they could to hide it. And it seems to be undisputed that the funeral home made multiple representations to Julie's family that, yes, we are going to cremate her on site with our equipment. I even found some old ads where the funeral home makes like this massive deal about, you know, we can cremate on site. We have multiple facilities to handle this. But in reality, they just used a third-party contractor, and they gave this third-party contractor kind of unquestioned access to the facility. They had codes to all the secure doors. They were in and out. Staff wouldn't even question them because they were so used to seeing them. It, it was very odd. And in, in fact, some of the, the supervisors of the third-party contractors even had keys to the front door. I mean, they were, for all intents and purposes, kind of employees of this funeral home, even though they didn't really work there. You know, They had as much access as any other employee would have. And it really wasn't that uncommon for them to show up after hours, after normal business hours at least, to pick up a body to take it to their facility to have it cremated so they could stay on schedule with what the funeral home was asking them to do. At least one source reported that this contractor may not have been the most competent group of fellows because it was discovered on at least one occasion before we end up losing Julie's body that they kind of switched bodies and didn't tell anybody until it was too late. And obviously that's like something that creates a giant mess for a funeral home. Um, just so you know, this is me playing lawyer here. But even in an ultra-conservative, pro-business, we-hate-lawsuit sort of state, like Alabama, where I'm licensed to practice, you do not monkey with dead bodies. <laughs> that is one way that you will absolutely get popped in the mouth in a lawsuit. Uh, you know, obviously, I mean, that's... If you knock down somebody's house, that's a really big deal. That's a really big lawsuit, but a house can be rebuilt. What do you do if you lose somebody's daughter? I mean, their final remains are just gone and you don't have an answer for it. Oh, it's awful. Now, once it kind of came to light that the funeral home really didn't know where Julie was, and they did their best to hide it, which, of course, got them more, in more trouble once this all went to court. The family contacted the police. And so the police investigated 
and learn that the night that it's believed Julie's body was taken, no alarms had been tripped. There was no broken windows. There was no nothing like that. Uh, for reasons that are never explained by the police, they are of the strong opinion that Julie's body went missing between the end of Julie's private service for the family at 2 p.m. and the closure of the funeral home for the day, which was at 5 p.m. I wish we knew why the police didn't believe the theft occurred over the weekend, because you have several potential suspects who had easy access to the funeral home 24-7. And all I can do is assume they've got some evidence that indicates they looked into it and it wasn't them. And I'm really giving the benefit of the doubt here. Now, it is entirely possible that the funeral home, who is in this utter CYA mode, never disclosed to the police their relationship with this third party. And that would have shaped the police's theory. You know, if they're not told that, well, yeah, we have these guys come pick up bodies and take care of business for us then they're not going to know to search outside of the premises. You know, if a body goes missing in a funeral home and you're sent to investigate, where are you going to look? Well, you're going to look at the employees. You're going to look at the security logs or security footage. You're going to look around the land. But why would you start going after third parties to investigate? You know, it has to be somebody connected to the funeral home. Until you learn that, yeah, we've got third parties that come in here all the time and take bodies. Now, maybe the police have changed their theories since this information came out, but they've just kind of locked down and said, we're not talking about this case. It's an open investigation. We're not making all that public. I, you know, obviously I don't work in the funeral home industry. I don't know what is a big deal and what isn't. I don't know what drives sales. I don't know what brings in clients, but I don't really understand why it was such a big deal to hide how this funeral home actually did business. You know, to me, I guess if I have a loved one that dies and I'm in charge of making their arrangements, I go to a funeral home and they say, we do everything on site, you know, maybe that offers a little bit of comfort compared to them saying, we'll handle the ceremony and everything, but we've got another company that actually does the cremation. I really don't care. And maybe I'm an oddball in saying that, but that doesn't motivate me at all. But this was exceptionally important to the funeral home. And I, again, I can speculate left and right all day, but there's just no evidence about the funeral home's motive that can be found. Now, complicating matters is even though there was a civil suit over this whole ordeal, as there should have been, the judge placed some pretty strict and restrictive gag orders over the attorneys and the parties and a lot of protective orders over the evidence that was disclosed. So even though the case itself technically isn't sealed, it's open to the public. So much of what went on during the trial is under lock and key. And we're, we're just not going to see it until 
the trial court revokes its order, which honestly, once the case is closed, the trial court doesn't care anymore and it moves on with its life. So somebody, a news media type person or somebody who has an interest in seeing those records would have to file a lawsuit and try to get the judge to agree to open up those records. Kind of a big deal, kind of a pain in the butt, kind of expensive. So I don't know that we'll see that happen unless something more explosive comes out of this case. There very well may be evidence that was introduced in court that would shed some light on some of the mysteries we've got here, but we it's not going to be disclosed right now. So that, I mean, that's my very roundabout and upside down way of giving you the first theory is that Julie's body was removed by a third party contractor. And in the process, they either mixed up bodies or they just flat out lost it or it was mishandled in some way. It's a horribly upsetting accident. No one wants to take responsibility for it. And if it did occur during business hours, as police think, that means nobody saw this body being taken if you believe all the witness statements that we have access to. I mean, again, it just blipped away if you if you listen to the employees and all that and the alleged security footage. Now, there is a second theory, like I said, and it's much darker. And, you know, it's one that you kind of root against it being true. You You want the family just, I think it'd be easier to live with somebody done screwed up than this story. So Julie had something of a boyfriend. This fellow was in his 20s and he attended Julie's service and he was the last person to leave the service. In fact, he kind of was escorted out by the funeral home employees about 15 minutes after the last person left the service. And when he left, they locked the door behind him. If you do a search on this story, you will come across a website known as mydeathspace.com. And this is kind of a message board type environment. And they have a pretty thorough thread about Julie's mysterious disappearance. And in this thread, there are multiple postings, allegedly, from this boyfriend as he tries to defend himself and explain what he understands happened. If you want to visit it, he goes by the username heartbroken1. That's the numeral one, not the word. He tells the story that he and Julie dated for six years and that he was her whole world. Many of her friends didn't like him because she would only give him attention and it caused a strain on Julie's relationship with others. He also insists that the family defended the funeral home and refused to speak with him about the matter. He said he was taken into custody by police and grilled for hours before they let him go. And the motive behind all this is he was, this boyfriend person was very, very vocal that Julie did not want to be cremated. Despite that, having written that down in paperwork, letting her family know, he said he knew in her heart that's not what she wanted. 
He goes so far in these postings as to provide copies of texts or Facebook conversation messages he had with Julie's dad after her body went missing. And in it, the boyfriend admits to being so short on money that he can't afford to get an eye exam, but also claims that he's hired multiple private investigators and an attorney on his own just to investigate what happened to Julie's body. He also spins this tale of Julie's family wouldn't come to the hospital when she was in there. He was the only one by her side. He continuously reminds people that he and Julie had this special magical relationship that just so few people on earth could ever understand. I mean, their love knew no bounds, according to him. He also claims that during his personal investigation of the situation, he went to the funeral home and kind of snooped around and was asked to leave by some of the personnel there. That's his version of it, but if you look it up, he actually was kind of arrested for criminal trespassing or poking around the funeral home when he shouldn't have been. Further, this dude posts recordings from his phone of conversations he had with various people. Sadly, a lot of those audio recordings have been taken down, but the users in this forum, many of them were kind enough to transcribe the conversations. And the consensus from the people involved in this conversation was that the alleged boyfriend sounded very creepy and not well during these conversations. At least one of these conversations, if these transcripts are accurate and true, indicate that the boyfriend was with Julie before she died. Now, the members of this forum, as you read through it, if you take the time, just slowly rip the boyfriend's story apart. And they start, at the more he talks, the worse it gets, you know? Just like anybody who's committed a crime and they try to talk their way out of it. It just goes from bad to worse. And that's what you see happening here, that people start pointing out inconsistencies between the statements he makes on Facebook, the statements he makes in the audio recordings, the statements he makes in his text messages to Julie's father. Um, there's, there's indications that he didn't actually go to the memorial out of respect for Julie's family's wishes. And he was, everybody agrees that he was Julie's boyfriend for some period of time. He says it was six years. Most people believe it was more like a few months. And that relationship ended because he ended up moving in with the family. And he was just so absolutely insufferable, they couldn't stand him. And the family said, we don't care if you love him or not. He ain't staying here and kicked him out on his butt to live his own life. They, there are people who claim people connected to the family who claim that the boyfriend did actually show up to the viewing, even after being asked not to by the family. And when he showed up, he caused a bit of a scene because 
He walked into the room, he waited at the back, and then when Julie's brother got up to do something, to talk to one of the attendants or something like that, he took the brother's seat and began talking to Julie's mom like they were best friends when Julie's mom was like, no, I kind of actually hate you. Go away. Now, like I said, there's a lot in this thread, okay? It's 140 plus pages. <laughs> and ultimately, you get to a point where it just breaks down into a pissing contest between the boyfriend and literally everybody else on this forum. If you got time to kill, it is a wild read. It's kind of like watching the old Jerry Springer show. There are news reports claiming the boyfriend called or texted Julie dozens upon dozens of times leading up to her death. He also allegedly called the funeral home over 200 times the first day it became news that Julie's body was missing. So there's something off about this dude. Nobody has time to make a phone call 200 times to a business that's open eight to 10 hours. I mean, that is a lot of work. When, if you do go to the forums and read his post, this dude comes across very creepily. I mean, he has a stalker vibe. He also hates being proven wrong. Like even just reading words printed on a computer screen, it feels like he's losing his mind whenever somebody catches him in a lie or proves that what he's saying was not possible. There's multiple times where he says, I'm quitting this thread. You know, y'all don't listen to reason, blah, 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 blah. And then he just can't help himself, and he shows up a few hours later to continue the fight. Okay, now this isn't discussed in any of the articles I relied on or cite to or even just read through. But we also have to consider the possibility, as macabre as this sounds, that Julie's body was taken from the funeral home and then sold on the black market. Now, I know, look, it sounds crazy at first blush, but seriously, there is a massive, massive underground market for bodies and organs that just isn't talked about. It's estimated that this illegal trade generates roughly $1 billion per year, okay? Billion with a B. Now, we've kind of talked about this in a previous episode. And so if you're a loyal listener, you know this. If you're new to us, it, you can go back and find the episode. But, you know, the gist is there's just this huge demand for organs and not a big supply, particularly when it comes to kidneys. So most people end up sitting on a waiting list for months or years until a match surfaces or until they die. But people with the right connections and the right money, they have no problem securing a donor kidney for somewhere in the neighborhood of $60,000. What's even crazier is these illicitly obtained organs can be sent to reputable hospitals 
with falsified paperwork and nobody bats an eye. Like nobody thinks that this is going on. They just accept it. Now, what's the best place to get organs? Well, probably from somebody who recently died and is scheduled to be cremated because there would be no evidence you took the organs, right? They're not going to embalm a body that's going to be cremated generally. But I've read, I have read, again, I don't know much about the industry, that if you're going to have kind of a private service before the cremation, such as in Julie's situation here, embalming is often done to preserve the quality of the body just for that service. So it may not work. But, you know, in general, I try to take the Occam's razor approach to these mysteries. So I kind of sit here and say that the most likely outcome is the third party contractor came, grabbed the wrong coffin, or maybe grabbed the right coffin, but somewhere messed up the paperwork. And it explains why her body has never been found. You know, to me, if the boyfriend had something to do it, he just, he seems off enough that he wouldn't be able to get away with it in a meaningful way. I mean, he would have to break into this funeral home, carry out the body, and then hide it someplace where police can't find. And he would have to be able to hold his story together well enough. And that's in spite of him seemingly having some sort of mental issues. I mean, you can't diagnose somebody off of a message board, but you just read his post and you say that boy ain't right. Um, and, you know, the body snatcher theory would be easy to pull off if you bribe the correct low paid workers. But the likelihood that Julie was actually embalmed makes that possibility much, much less plausible, in my opinion. I think it was just a horrible, horrible mistake. Messed up paperwork. And that's, that's where it ended. If you research into some of these organizations that tried to harvest dead bodies for their organs to make these crazy profits. You will hear stories about people who work at funeral homes or cremation uh, services or whatnot. You know, they're... I don't want to paint a broad brush, but in these stories that you find where things go wrong, it seems like you get a driver of a vehicle who doesn't really know what they're doing. And they'll grab a body, they'll take it to whoever is going to take the next step. That person looks at it and says, we can't use this body, it's been embalmed, or you know, it's been allowed to, to rot too much or whatever. And they typically have some sort of dumping ground where they will go and just leave the body to rot. And Texas is one of the more popular places to do this because it's got so much wide open territory, undeveloped territory, you know? 
There's a lot of desert land out there. Regardless of what happened, to this day, Julie's body has not been found. No remains of hers has been found. She consider, She's still considered to be lost or a missing person. And wouldn't you know it, the same funeral home had the same thing happen again, mixing up corpses in 2021, just last year. So that's at least three times this nursing home, and I'm not giving you the name of it because I don't want them to send their lawyers after me because I got enough going on in my life, but it's a big one out in San Antonio. I'm sure if you live there, you can probably guess. Uh, it's just incredible that they would make that, they would be so sloppy so consistently. So again, a shorter episode, like I said, there, I wish there was more to this story. I really dug into it as hard as I could. And it's just, you start going in circles pretty quickly. Um, that's the case of Julie Mott and her missing corpse. Thank you again to Kimberly for recommending this one. Of course, we've got to do a palate cleanser to end this episode, and I have another one that was given to me, this one from Mr. Eli himself. We're, we're, I, I, I guess the universe is telling me to get away from the riddles. I liked the riddle angle, but here we are, nonetheless. All right, so here's here's our joke, okay? What is the title of the boss of the old McDonald's Farm Corporation? So what title would you give to the guy in charge or gal of the old McDonald's farm corporation? Well, she would be the CIEIO. Isn't that wonderful? That's a good one. I mean, you hear that and you just say, if Brad can get on the air and share this with thousands of people, I can get through my day. Thank you all for listening. If you like what you hear and you haven't done it already, please subscribe. We are, again, Killing Miss Hidden. It should be on your phone. Uh, if not, I don't know what to tell you. Something's wrong with your phone. It should be plastered with our logo all over it. Uh, we're on all your favorite listening apps, as you know. If you dig it, please leave us a just awe-inspiring, tear-jerking five-star review. Um, we're also all over social media. As I bring up from time to time, we post very, very dumb things. So look us up and, uh, we have a private Facebook group. If you want to join there where I'll share even dumber things. And sometimes people talk about cases or updates on cases. So it's not a bad gig to join, but you do have to answer three questions and they are most difficult. If you cannot answer them, then it's you are truly not a fan of this show. Look, I said the bar is really low. If you've ever listened to one episode of the show, you can name all three or you can answer all three questions. It's not that big a deal. All right. Gonna jump out on this one. Uh, you know, until we meet again, be good, be kind, be nice. Visit our store. Ah, y'all are gonna get so tired of me saying that. Uh, and then maybe go get some ice cream. You know what? I get if you buy a shirt from our store, any shirt, then I I I am saying that you are entitled to have ice cream and 
I don't care what your mom says. I don't care what your, your spouse says. I don't care what your kids say. You can have that ice cream for dinner. You can have it for breakfast or just as a snack. It is your ice cream and no one can tell you what to do with it. Okay. All right. Thank you all. Love you all. Right out. You survived another episode of Killing Missing Hidden, the podcast about bad things. Join us next time for another true and thrilling story.